The scripture reading this morning will be taken from, from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. In the Pew Bibles, this can be found on page 1043. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, becoming of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of, of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God, has, therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and those in heaven and those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So good to see you this morning, and I hope that you had a great Christmas, good time with family and friends. I feel like I haven't seen you in two months or something. The office was closed Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday was Saturday. And all of a sudden, I'm up here speaking before you. So, uh, But I hope you had a good break. I hope that uh, it was a time that you could enjoy. Last week, David preached from the book of Philippians about the joy that is in Christ. The theme of joy runs rampant throughout Philippians. An amazing fact, considering that this was a letter written by Paul as Paul sat in his prison cell. Did you know that Paul is responsible for almost half of the occurrences of the word joy in the New Testament? Paul was the apostle of grace and joy. It's what he talked about all the time. And why did Paul spend so much time talking about grace and joy. Well, Paul was obsessed with Jesus Christ. And when you are obsessed with Jesus, his life, his ministry, his sacrifice, the fellowship that is in him, you will, by association, be one who obsesses over thoughts of grace and joy. Paul is the apostle of grace and joy. And the ministers on staff, we were thinking a couple of weeks ago about a way to close out 2014, you know, it is, it is the end of the year. It's time for you to be making a list of things you will do until February and things of the like. And Tim's going to preach the last sermon from the pulpit tonight of 2014. And so we were thinking, you know, what could we leave the congregation with until next week? What could we leave the congregation with going out of the year 2014? Uh, the, the end of the year, especially Christmas, exposes us over and over to words like peace and joy and good tidings and cheer and so forth. 
a lot of those words borrowed from Christianity and the gospel itself. Billboards and commercials and ads hammer home over and over these words onto their products, onto their events. Uh, by the end of the year, I don't know about how you feel, but sometimes I feel like those words have been said so many times, I'm not really sure what they mean anymore. And so the mission of these closing sermons on Philippians uh, that we are preaching is a mission of, of clarity. We've taken one of these concepts, joy, and we want, we want to know not the opinion of television, not the opinion of commercials or marketing or social media or even uncle so-and-so on what joy means. We want to know none of those things, but what the word joy means in God's eyes. What, what God's word might have to say about it. What the Apostle Paul might write to us concerning joy, we want to know. So first off, Paul uses the word joy in a plurality of ways. Uh, I don't want to get into all of those, but the way that we will be looking at joy today is pretty simple. I'm going to lose half. If you half, you're going to walk out of here. It's so simple. You're going to think, I came for this. Ladies, you're going to lean over and mutter to your husband. Everybody knows that. As soon as I give you this, this meaning for joy, are you ready? Here it is. The experience of gladness. It's not elusive. It's not some crazy mystical concept. Joy is the experience of gladness now that we've solved that great mystery. Let's continue to look at something that brings Paul a deep, meaningful experience of gladness in his letter, and that something is Christian unity. Let's look at the text here that we have before us this morning. Philippians 2 is, is an iconic chapter of the New Testament. Uh, very famous. Parents, you have probably worn out Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, whether you realized you were quoting Paul or not. Maybe you paraphrased it in more creative ways in the minivan. I don't know. Either way, you may have been preaching Paul and you didn't even know it. And Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 contains some of the most beautiful Christian poetry ever written about Jesus, his example, his life. I want to look at the main theme within these verses. What is the main theme of Philippians chapter 2? I think that Paul comes at Philippians 2 from a lot of angles, but the main theme is pretty clear. It is the theme of unity. Let's read the text. Paul splits his line of thinking up into a couple of parts. And the first, the first line of thought is in the first four verses. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit and affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, have the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. The theme of Philippians chapter 2 is, is not humility. It's unity in Christ. 
And you have to say in Christ because there are many different types of unity and not all of them are in Christ. Think of the book of 1 Corinthians. Paul wrote that letter to a church in Corinth and they were having a multitude of problems. And in the opening chapters, you remember there were many, there, there was a lot of unity going on, right? Well, first couple of chapters are about anything but unity. There's people who are unified in Paul. There's people who are unified in Apollos. There's people who are unified in Peter. But nobody's unified together. And so unity in Christ is everything to Paul. Think of the book of Galatians where Paul is instructing the church at Galatia not to be concerned with, with becoming more Jewish so that you could be saved if you were a Gentile. Paul was concerned about them preaching the law of Moses in addition to the law of Christianity for someone to be saved to the Gentiles. That was unity in the law of Moses, not unity in Christ. Unity in Christ was everything to Paul. In fact, Paul gained joy anytime he learned of church members working towards unification in Christ. Look at the language in the first verse of chapter 2. If there is encouragement in Christ, comfort from love, participation in the Spirit, affection and sympathy, what is Paul doing here? He's setting up his teaching about unity that he's about to introduce with more obvious things. Are there such things as encouragement and love and sympathy and affection and help from the Spirit? Are there those things in the church today? Of course there are, absolutely. Paul is, is strengthening his command for Christians to be unified by stating obvious things that already exist in the church. He's saying, if you know these things exist and are important, then make the list complete. Complete my joy by pursuing unity. Take unity and add it on to the list. In verse 2, Paul says, complete my joy. Paul has joy in all of those things. But the apostle's joy would only be made complete when he learned and knew that the Philippians were making efforts towards unity toward one another in the way that Paul describes in Christ Jesus. That word there for complete is the same idea, same word, same concept uh, for what Christ did for, for us in fulfilling Scripture. He completed it. He completed what, what the law of Moses had set out to do. Christ came and fulfilled it. He completed it. And that's what we do with Paul's joy when we make efforts to be at unity with one another. We complete, we complete the law of Christ. We fulfill God's will in the same way. Look at, look at the language of verses 2 through 4. Be of the same mind. Have the same love. Be in full accord. Be of one mind. Count others more significant. Look to the interest of yourself. And in addition to that, you know, Paul never said, never look to your own interests. But Paul said, in addition to the interest that you have, look to the interests of others. The first line of thinking Paul is saying, here's what I want you to do in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 2. In the next, the next six or so verses, the second passage, verses 5 through 11, Paul kind of, he holds up an example for the Philippians to follow. He gives them, he says, let me give you a living, breathing example, the example of Christ. And I think that Paul was throwing out very lofty concepts when he talked about unity. And that explains why he put in an example. He knew that we needed to have something, something to have our hands on, something to wrap our mind around 
Uh, what do you mean, Paul, when you talk about being of the same mind? What kind of same mind? And Paul answers that in verse 5. Read with me. Have this mind among yourselves. Well, what is this mind? Which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That still amazes me to read statements like this in the New Testament. What, what did God's Son do when He came down in our form and He learned obedience? The word there for emptied Himself, He, he took all the prestige out of His out of his nature. Nothing was beneath Christ Jesus. He came down on our level and submitted to God and didn't count being equal to God something to even think about. Look at the last verses of that uh, passage there. It tells what God has done, what God thinks about unity and how he, how he exalted the Son because of what Jesus did. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Paul says, do you need a specific example? Let me take you back to Christ. If you are wondering if you are doing the, the unifying thing in your life, in the church, in the congregation that you are at, Paul says, I want you to read about Jesus. I want you to look at His humility, His service, His obedience. Look at what Christ, the Son of God, went through to effect the unity, or you, you could say the reunion between mankind and His God. What kind of unity completes the deep joy of the Apostle Paul? The kind of unity that is not in the world, but that is Christian, that is found in Christ Jesus and His example and what He did in His redemptive work on the cross. Brothers and sisters, think, think about this this morning. You can love, we can have sympathy, we can encourage one another, we can even have participation from the very Spirit of God. But if we are not making efforts to be toward the same mind with our brothers and sisters, we are not completing the list. If we are working ourselves to death for the kingdom, busy, 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 packed church calendar, people going right and left at 100 miles an hour, and we don't care about the interest of others in the congregation, in the church, in the world. We are not completing the list. We are not completing the joy. We are missing out on a vital dimension of Christian joy and rejoicing. Does it bother you if something is left incomplete? This is really bad, but one of my favorite things to do is, is erase a dry erase board just a little bit and leave a few marks. Drives people crazy sometimes. And that's kind of a funny example, but what if a boss or supervisor or a friend or 
somebody you cared deeply about, respected highly, sat down with you and gave you a list of just praises. They were singing your praises. And then at the end, they said, well, there, there is one, but there's one thing. But would, would, you, would you be content to just leave? <laughs> would you want to know what the one thing is on the list? Would you want a complete list? Would it bother you if their comments were left incomplete? Well, I think that would be the feeling spiritually that Paul would have toward the Philippians if they were to do everything and ignore his teaching on unity. And just like the word joy, the world will try to take the concept, the word unity, and it will try to, to package and sell it to us in ways that they can make money. The main thrust of, of advertising in today's world is not necessarily the greatness or the reliability of a product. A lot of times it's instead the community of, of people that you buy into, the people you are unified with through your purchase. If you will buy this product, you will belong to these people. Think about it. Think about it in terms of a luxury car. Have you ever seen the commercials for luxury cars? It's almost a favorite pastime of mine to analyze the sociology behind luxury car commercials. Now, I like a nice car, and I'm not hating on luxury cars, but it is ridiculous the lengths the world goes through to sell you a luxury car, how they, how, how they try to convince you that, you that you should get their particular model. You know, sometimes... There will be a new feature advertised. Sometimes there will be real facts and figures depicted. Every time, every time, there will be innuendos about buying in to an elite status that will unify you with this upper echelon of people, of lives, of career, etc. Every time. In fact, the world tries to market anything based on who you think you want to be, your identity. You want to be a certain way. You want to live a certain life. Uh, you want to, to have this certain identity. Then you need to buy this product. Can there be a deeper identity than that? Can there be a deeper joy? Paul says, yes, there can. What you buy doesn't unify you with someone else who bought the same thing. And yet millions of people fall for that logic in commercials year after year. We must accept God's teaching. <laughs> Would, my mic went out right when I said that. Are you listening? <laughs> we must accept God's teaching on true unity and not fall for the word unity and joy that the world throws around. And we can't depend on other churches and congregations and denominations to tell us what this unity is. We must go back to God's word to discover what it means to truly be unified in the church. This will complete Paul's joy. Now you know I left out a very famous verse in Philippians chapter 2. Some of you know what it is. Some of you, it might, it might be your favorite verse. It might be your favorite passage. It's chapter 2 verse 12. After all of this, uh, example of Christ, Paul writes chapter 2, verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. You could probably finish that verse, couldn't you? 
work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And people love that verse. And it's a wonderful verse to think about. Keystone verse. And people often quote that verse when they try to make a, uh, a, a point in a Bible study or you know, a conversation about you, know, you are spiritually responsible for you. You're going to stand before God alone on Judgment Day and, and uh, so on and so forth. And I think it does say a lot about responsibility, but that's not the main context this verse was penned in. The context is not responsibility, it's unity. If you look at the verses after it, we've looked at the verses before it, let's look at the verses after it. Uh, how are they supposed to go about working out this salvation that Paul talks about in verse 12? Well, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, we're just scanning here. Paul says, do not grumble, do not complain. Those are things that aid toward unity. In chapter 2, verse 15, Paul says he wants them all to be blameless children of God, to be lights in the world. Responsibility, perhaps, it, it does fit there. It is a point in the text. But the main point is unity. Precisely what this passage is still addressing. And we haven't even gotten to the kicker of verse 17. But think about it. How do you view the church? Do you view it as a large grouping of, of individuals always running around worried about what they have to do to be responsible for their own salvation? Or do you view the church more, more completely, like Paul says in chapter 2, verse 15, where you know, together we form a light in a, in a crooked world, a light in a dark and crooked generation. Uh, we are children of God, blameless and spotless, in a world that is anything but. And we're all trying to be that together, and the way we do that is through unity. The kicker, though, is verse 17. Paul says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. There's the connection between Paul looking after their interests and him gaining joy from that. And they know Paul's situation. He's writing to them from prison and he says, you know, Christ is being preached by imposters outside of me. If you just go back to Philippians chapter 1, you will see all that background. And Paul says, you know what? I rejoice anyway. I rejoice that I can write to you that at least Christ is being preached out in the world. And even if I have to die, I will rejoice if it is for your faith. That's how serious Paul is about unity. Paul, why are you glad? I am glad and I rejoice because of the unity we share in Christ. That we are children of God. That we are blameless together. That we are lights in the midst of a crooked generation together. But what if, but Paul, what if unity in the church, what if unification with the church gets you, gets you killed in the world? I'm glad. I rejoice because I'm suffering for something that's deeper than the false sense of unity the world tries to give you. That doesn't shake you, Paul? No. I rejoice in the Lord always. I rejoice with others who rejoice in the, world, in the, in the Lord. We are, we are one. Paul was a soldier of the cross. He was a spiritual marine. And his dedication to Christ was rivaled by 
by few, if not no one at all. And his life and death proved it. Paul said, I want you to be unified. Then Paul writes, I want you to be unified living after the example of Jesus Christ. And then Paul writes, if you want an example past that, if you still need help, I will be your example. And if I have to pour my life out, not for my faith, Paul says, if I have to pour my life out and be a martyr and give my own testimony, he doesn't say that. He says, if I have to be poured out like a drink offering upon the altar for your faith, for your interest, for your life, for your growth and edification, I will do it. I will do it and such a thing will bring me gladness. It will bring me joy. And I want you to rejoice with me in the fact that that's where I am in my spirituality. And Paul's saying, I want you to be there in your spirituality as well. That's a deeper joy than a new job. Than a new this, a new that, a new year, a new anything. That's a deeper unity than buying something from the same store or a dealer that somebody else bought something from or going to the same place. It's a deeper unity than a national tie that you have to fellow people in your nation. It's a deeper unity even than the unity in your family. Do you believe that? You know, we really begin to understand Paul and unity when we observe it from, from his perspective and what he went through once he had been converted on the road to Damascus. We're looking at a man who was blind for days, who didn't eat anything after his conversion until he received his sight, who did nothing until Jesus Christ gave him direction, a man who did whatever was asked of him by the apostles in the church starting out. He was beaten for the faith multiple times. He was stoned. He was left for dead outside of a city. He was shipwrecked on multiple occasions. He was often hungry. He was tired. He was often sleepless. He was often ill-clothed, if not naked. He was often in prison, and he was in danger. In fact, if you read the book of Acts, what do you find out about Paul and how the, how the church in Philippi began? Well, Paul came there and he got arrested and he got thrown in prison in the midst of starting that church. And Lydia and so many others uh, were there with him. And when he went to prison, what was he doing? The man who wrote about joy from another prison to the Philippians, when he visited Philippi and was arrested and was in prison, he was, he was singing hymns. He was staying up late singing hymns with his companions worshiping God in the middle of the night in prison. He was rejoicing. You think about what Paul went through for the cause of Christ and his, his dedication, his obedience. Paul beheld Jesus Christ himself and he knew what it meant to carry a cross. But Christ was the ultimate reality to Paul. For Paul, it was unity in Christ or nothing. Paul, Paul had not invested in anything else. In fact, he threw everything else away. He threw his knowledge of the law away. Well, he used it to teach for Christ. He threw his position with the Pharisees away. He didn't even, he, he, he didn't even continue to take spiritual stock of himself according to 
being a Hebrew of the Hebrews and so forth. Paul abandoned all that, counted it for all is lost for the sake of Christ. We fight the same enemy as Paul today. The world is still the world, hasn't gone anywhere. The lost are still out there. The, the sins are still a reality. We are still being tempted. Do we live in a world so different from Paul? Do we live in a time suddenly where the concepts of joy and unity are, are no longer significant or less significant? Do you know the joy that comes from Christian unity? Do you rejoice when you see unity in your congregation, in the church worldwide? I do. I see corrupt power in the world. I see manipulation within systems, within individuals, within families. I see broken things. I see uh, broken people. You can turn on the news and you can see disease, you see death, you can see decay, you can see fraud, you can see whatever you want to see. It's, it's almost like staring into the abyss sometimes. Wow, thanks, J.M. But in the midst of all that, I, I see it. And then I see, then I see the church. And I see a people obedient to and redeemed by God. I see a people of, of one mind, of one accord, taking care of the interest of each other. I see members going to one another within the church and even outside of the church that says, I will hurt with you. I will, I will teach you. Your problems are my problems now. I will pray with you. I will visit you. I will worship with you. I see Christians who go out into the systems that are broken in the world and will be until Jesus comes back. And they daily sacrifice themselves. They pour themselves out in a way that brings glory to God. I see Christians who not only condemn the practice of abortion in our country, but say, I will take kids into my home as a solution to that problem. I see people who spend compulsively not on possessions for themselves, but for the good of their neighbor. I see unity in God's church. And it does. It brings me great, satisfying, full joy to know that I am unified with that kind of a people. I worship week in and week out, and so do many others around this earth with those kinds of people. Not because they are special or exalted in any way, but because they exalt the Lord, our God, and His Son, Jesus Christ. I work towards the same goals, the same God, the same Jesus Christ, the same inheritance, the same eternity, and the same joy through all. There is a joy within Christian unity that cannot be surpassed by anything else or even explained sometimes it, it just is and it is wonderful what did I learn today first two points we learned from Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 11 the third we learned in that final a passage we read from Paul number one when we seek unity in Christ above our own interests we complete Paul's joy we model the behavior of Christ we build up God's kingdom all from unification. 
Number two, any effort made toward unity must be rooted in the example of Christ. As we read in Scripture, unity must be Christian. It must be biblical. It cannot be a false sense of unity defined by the world. Number three, Paul rejoiced in efforts toward unity, whether the means toward such unity in in a congregation or the church was easy or difficult or even sacrificial, requiring his own life. We should aspire to the example of the Apostle Paul. You know, there's grace in Christ. There exists every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. There's the family, the church, which is in Christ. There's truth in Christ. There's purpose in Christ. There's salvation in Christ. It only follows that being unified in Christ is also the place where joy is in Christ. God offers joy. Joy is in Christ, not the world. Joy awaits you no matter where you've been or where you are right now, sitting in the pew this morning, and you can have joy in your life for the first time, or it can re-enter into your life. It's your choice. It's God's desire that you be saved, that you be sustained by trusting obedience to Him. God's desire is to give you true, deep, and eternal joy. You can be baptized into Christ. You can return if you have, feel you have wandered. Whatever your need may be, if you would just like to express something to the church that we can pray on your behalf to God. Whatever your need may be this morning, please come.